You know, one of the things that uh, I've always found difficult with the uh, anchor recording system is that uh, I have to uh, hit the link and go on, and then it says, do you want to start building a new podcast? And then I tell it no, and it closes, and then I have to open it back up, and then it allows me to join the recording. <laughs> Which I find, I find, you know, Anchor really needs to work this out. I feel like that's a superfluous uh, um, extra step that I really ought not to have to, uh, to commit to. Uh, so, you know, but uh, I, I guess I should say, uh, what, you know, welcome to uh, uh, this, this episode of, uh, of the nexus of Cherry Road and pop culture or pop culture and Cherry Road. Is it, do we have an order there? Is it pop culture first or Cherry Road well, first? I, I thought we became, that's what I'm screaming, but it was the nexus of pop culture and Cherry Road. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready for it to be that's what I'm screaming. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still working through this Nexus thing. We've got a little, uh, little sci-fi in there. We've got a little um, uh, nod to uh, the old alma mater, uh, Go Eagles. I don't know. I wanted to shout out to our uh, old friend Bridget, uh-huh. uh, who I talked to this week. I ta- I, ta- I texted him with her this week, but I told her that uh, I'd be sending her latest episode of our podcast to her. Okay. Okay. So. But I have to apologize to the people at Anchor. Uh, I think we've been critical in the, this first 90 seconds. And as you know, we recently signed a three-figure deal uh, with the good people at Anchor. And I so think for the, the 4 dollars that we're getting from them, I think we should apologize for saying we didn't like the way their app worked. I feel like, though, you've got that backwards. I think you're paying four ninety nine for us to use their app. Oh, then go attraction. Go ahead. It's fine. You know, I, uh, I mean, clearly – Clearly, Anchor is not based in Rembert, South Carolina, uh, because if it were, then Anchor would be part of that world of difference. I, and, and instead, it's based out of Bennettsville, which uh, which was a poor choice. I mean, we we won't even go there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Florence won't have them. <laughs> McClellanville kicked him out. Manning doesn't need them. <laughs> so you know that's that, that's kind of where we are. Um, and so, so enough of our, our geography lesson tonight. I feel like, uh, uh, first of all, I'll, uh, I'll echo your shout out to Bridget. Hello, Bridget. Mom's going to be a little more formal. I just I haven't seen her in a while, so I figured that would be. She hasn't had a joint hello from us in, I would say, what, 30, 30 years? So, <laughs> hey, Bridget. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, I feel like that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's an appropriate level of, uh, of shout out. Uh, from me at this point in time uh you know perhaps at a later date you know we may expand into the what's happening uh you know how how things been uh what are you up to those sorts of things but for now we're just going to go with hello maybe when we record record live out of uh in front of richardson hall um (laughs) she can join us for that as a former resident of wofford hall i'm looking forward to our uh live at the grand canyon for bungee jumping uh uh, episode. That sounds outstanding. I'm definitely in for that. Yes. So, um, so that's going to be good. Um, so we got a lot of things coming up, particularly anchor, uh, uh, you know, fixing the problems that we've discussed and, uh, you know, Lilford's is still making it happen down in Rembert. Uh, thank you, Lilford's. And, and, uh, so we appreciate that. You know, some people are just really getting the job done. Uh, and so speaking of getting the job done, 
you know, I feel like tonight we definitely need to go ahead and jump straight into our topic because we've got a pretty exciting topic tonight. I feel like I, w- I would agree. This is an exciting topic. I was when you sent it to me, I was very excited, and uh, I d- dove right into doing some research on it. Uh, and thanks, see, thanks, that's, thanks that's, to all of our good friends at the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, sir. For all your informational needs, please visit the internet. Right. Yes. Uh, so, all right. So I'm gonna we're gonna go back. We're gonna do our uh, our our. We're gonna use our nexus, as it were, uh, okay. to uh, to go back to that fateful day uh, of June the eighth, 1998. Um, you know, the world had uh, was about uh, six or seven years removed from major changes. Uh, there was no longer a clear-cut definition of who were the good guys in the world, who were the bad guys. You know, it was no longer uh, the red, white, and blue versus the deep red of the USSR. Uh, Dusty and Magnum had finally vanquished uh, Nikita Koloff and, and, and his Russian brethren. Uh, and Let know, me tell you something, I- nephew Nikita. <laughs> times, times were changing. You know, the winds of change were in the air when suddenly, when suddenly onto the scene bursts a black and white nightmare. And of course, we're talking about the New World Order, or as as Hollywood Hogan misphrased it early on, the New World Organization. That's right. That was uh, so, July, July of 96, right? Yes, I believe that's right. Bash at the Beach, which I am sure is a July event, and I believe you are correct with your 1996 uh, uh, dating there. Uh, I think Carbon Dating puts it at July of 96. (laughs) Um, We looked into the artifacts and and whatnot. And so here's the thing. So you start out, and and maybe maybe we do just a brief, brief, brief recap recap of the the original nwo okay and uh which is the best version of the nwo see i've I've got i've got feelings about this steve i've got feelings um and i want to respect those feelings but i I have feelings as well well i mean if there's anything that we have shown on this show it's that we respect feelings uh, I'm not sure whose feelings they are, but there's there's been some talk of some feelings, some talk of respect, and uh, we're just gonna you know we're gonna go with that. So uh, all right, so originally, okay, you've got uh, you've got Razor Ramon, you've got Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they are reincarnated in WCW form as 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 Kevin Nash. Scott Hall, and they call themselves the Outsiders. Remember, we don't know. They're not reincarnated yet, because remember, that in their first appearance, you know, we just see them show up. Agreed. I'm not, remember, I'm not going, you, I'm not you know who I am, there. but you don't know why I'm here. Was that, no, that was your, that was, that was your Scott Hall invitation? Yeah, that's my, my Scott Hall. Hey, yo. <laughs> okay. That'll work. That'll work. So, but I mean, but uh, I do believe by Bash at the Beach, we do know who they are. We, we do, we do. 
Yes. So I'm not going all the way back, um, but I'm going. Okay. So we've got these guys, the outsiders, appropriately named. Yes. What do you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect name, I believe, for the scenario. Um, so you got these two guys, and they come in and they're wrecking everything, right? I mean, it, this is not just like another uh, Hogan Piper battle or a. Uh, uh, sting and flare battle this is something different right you agree with this yeah yeah and there's still it goes back to that original thing where he they, they never really were clear at first like what what exactly were they up to right there was a mystery surrounding them leading into that bash to the beach like what, what who was who was the third man what were they up to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so so there's a there's clearly a plot you know, I mean, is there any, is anything uh, conspiracy? What words do we use here to describe this? Uh, the words Tito Santana came to mind. <laughs> so we're going with random words at this point. <laughs> so you say Tito Santana, and I say uh, two scoops of plump, juicy raisins and Kellogg's raisin bread. I'd say what for me as a wrestling fan, until we find out who the third man is, this angle held no interest for me whatsoever. Okay. Did you did you now now okay. Now let's let's talk about you in this moment. Are you mm-hmm. a fan, a devoted follower at this point? Not not at all. I, I probably um sometime in in the late eighties I stopped you know my, my regular watching and then you know I would kind of keep up with it and know who yeah, I know who the wrestlers were, and then by this point, I'd lost track. But you know, I, knew, I still knew who I knew who Diesel was, and I knew uh, who Razor Ramon was. But but I wasn't. I wouldn't say current, and and I, I don't think I sat down and, and yeah, I wasn't setting my my evenings to watching wrestling. But that would change. That would change shortly after all of this, uh, and it would yeah. change for about three years. Okay, so was it was it because of, and this is a big, this is a pivotal question, not just for you, but for all our listeners out there. Was it the NWO that brought you in? Yes, absolutely, okay. yes. Okay. okay. Um, and the demise I, I, of the NWO is what, what led me to leave. I see, I see. Okay, okay. And we'll have to talk about that later on in the podcast because I don't know that you and I have the same ideas of when the demise was. Hmm. Okay. So, so, okay. So NWO draws you in. Okay. So I also had been out of it for uh, probably a similar amount of time. I probably stopped uh, consistently viewing maybe a little bit earlier than you. But also probably got into it back into it a little bit earlier than than you did, and coincidentally, I happened to be watching the Bash at the Beach pay per view, so oh. I, I I I saw it live. Do you do you remember back in the ninety one ninety two school year? You and I would do the quite the I would do the Hulk Hogan hulking yes. up impersonation where you would yes. put me in the sleeper hold and I would hulk yes. up. Yes, I mean of course. What I mean, you know, you've got to do the uh, I, I don't even know what you call it the twirling of the hand to the ear, yeah. the uh, you know, the, the pointing. Uh, and oh, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I specifically remember, remember being in the portrait room with you, uh, on College Avenue, Charlotte Avenue, maybe it was. 
Charlotte, Charlotte Avenue, yes. Yeah, and, and specifically doing that routine in the middle of that room. Yes, um, which is a, a fantastic routine to do uh, in any social situation, and I highly recommend it. Um, I think, you know, wherever we take our show on the road, when the airport, when I see you, I think the first thing I want you to do is put me in a sleeper hold in public. Uh, yeah, and I don't care if it, it really doesn't matter to me if this is a black tie affair or not. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is completely appropriate to put someone in the sleeper hold and reenact the Hogan uh, coming back to life scenario. Uh, yes. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I think it's perfect for all all occasions. Maybe uh, like if you're preaching on Easter Sunday, I could come over there to South Carolina and we could you know, use, use that you know as a lesson in coming back from the dead. <laughs> yes, I don't know that that would be uh, well received. <laughs> the Jesus, the Jesus Mania shirt would not be hot. So sorry. Pro- probably not. Probably not. So, okay. So. Bash at the Beach happens. Um, you have uh, um, you have this big unveiling. Hogan comes down. He drops the leg on Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Savage uh, disappears. Uh, Sting disappears. Uh, you've got basically Lex Luger leading the, the fight uh, against... Uh, this this new world order. That, I I don't like Lex Luger. I've never liked Lex Luger. I'm, I'm because, not a fan of Lex Luger either. Because his whole thing is I'm I've got muscles. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. He's got nothing else. He's got no, for lack of a better word, he's got no character persona. It's just like I've got big muscles. Look at me. Mm-hmm. I always liked it when Hogan called him Flexi Lexi. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, dramatic shift of power. Um, in this in this whole thing, so so you got the outsiders, you've got Hogan, and uh, let's see let's see how what wh- what your research uh, unveiled, and so shortly thereafter they get uh, is it is that when they get the giant later to be known as the Big Show? Yeah, didn't didn't uh, once they start forming Ted DiBiase joins right? Yes, and and that now that was pre Bischoff. Right, because so the original plan was that DiBiase was going to be the Bischoff character. And he would not only be... Because remember, the NWO is this different thing coming in. So he's not only the money, but he's like the voice, the manager of the NWO. And, and they shift that. I think it's in April of 97 that officially ships, ships over to Bischoff. And Ted, so, did you get did you get any backstory to that? Why is why why does DiBiase why does he get? I, I think that Bischoff was I think he was in control of WCW at the time, yeah. and I just think it's one of those things where it just it, he was a better voice for them. It just kind of made more sense story wise, um, to for it to play out that way. I, I always okay. thought that I always watched that and thought, why is Ted DiBiase just standing there? Because he never wrestled. He didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked, I remember Ted DiBiase from, I remember way back watching him in the UWF. I don't know if you remember that league or not. Yes. But, but DiBiase was, it was, it was weird. He just didn't do very much. I think, I think the giant was five and then, uh, this wasn't the six member was, was six, uh, 
or they call him one. Two, I can't remember. X Pac six. No, he was, no, he was he was six Pac six in in the NWF. Okay. Because um, so, Sean, so Sean Walton. Rooted, you remember that was rooted in the one because he was the one two three kid, right? In uh, WWF, and so they said you know one plus two plus three equals six. So I didn't even come. So for me, I didn't even come into this this whole thing with the NWO. My first exposure wasn't even Bash the Beach like yours was. Mine was in December of 1996. Ironically, I was in South Carolina, uh, and I stopped off in Spartanburg at my friend's house for a Christmas party. And his brother had always been a huge wrestling fan, and he's got on. I think it's WCW Saturday Night, and I'm watching this, and I was like, "Whoa! Why does why does Sting look like that?" Because he was he was not surfacing. Yep. Yeah, and then I was like, wait, Hulk Hogan's a bad guy? <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then that caught my interest. And then from, from there, from that point for the next three years solid, I, I probably saw every WCW Nitro. Yeah, yeah. And then later, WCW Thunder. I watched a little bit. Thunder was never as good. And then eventually, you know, and once we got to 2000, uh, I started slowly switching over to WWE Raw. Uh, mm-hmm. and maybe stayed with that for a year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, so, so let's 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 talk about this. So we're going back to the beach. We're we're going to well we're going to you had said that. So in your mind, what what is the best configuration of the NWF? Is. Uh, is black and white, and it's it's not it's it's like six people, and okay. it and you, and you've got you've got Hall and Nash, um, just kind of beating everybody up. Um, that's to me it's the original, just the the that core that core group. Believe those three guys. Um, when the focus is on them, it was the best. Because I think the NWA, NWO works best when they are the bad guys, when they are the heels. And okay. I really, I really wish they would have played it out where that that the NWO did come in and, and take over. I think that would have been really interesting had they played that out because that was the discussion they had was you know, the NWO was going to take over Nitro and then the WCW would move to Saturday nights. And I think that would have been really interesting to see what would have happened. Because there's never been a heel run. All, you know, all the organizations are babyface, right? The president yeah. of the organization, Jack Tunney, was always on the side of the good guys in the WWE. Or Jim yeah. Hurd from WCW or David Crockett or whoever. Although Vince McMahon yeah, so- kind of took that turn. Vince McMahon, he, he, he plays either side of that card, so. Yes, but I feel like he really didn't play that card, that side, the side of that card until Stone Cold Steve Austin. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and after the NWO thing, as yeah. well. Um, when he saw that it could be done, and and done well, and I mean right. Vince did it well. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Vince was Vince is an exceptional uh, uh, heel. Um, you know he he he's got a great voice. Um, he gets great facial expressions i mean a bit over the top and overly dramatic but they're still good nonetheless um you know he's got that great sneer you know and uh um i I always found vince to be a credible credible bad guy yeah i agree Uh, uh and and you know honestly honestly both of his 
children that are involved in the sport, I felt like were credible too. Um, I was like Stephanie Baird and I like Shane. I agreed. Um, agreed, but I did like that Shane would get in there, you know, uh, and uh, he would he would take a beating. Uh, I always, always respected that. Uh, Bischoff didn't take too many beatings. You know, no, um, uh, and that that you know that was you kind of you kind of want him to take a beating at least every now and then. You know, Jim Cornette took his lumps. He um, did, he, especially when he uh, he fell into Big Bubba Rogers in uh, mm-hmm. well, uh, yeah. Great Amer- was it Great American Bash in eighty six yes. or eighty five? Yes, yes. So um, okay, so so you said you said five or six guys okay so so who besides holland nash obviously because if you had said any configuration of the nwo without holland nash it would be it would be weak but i mean i would, I would say like if you gave me five guys to make uh, if you give me six people to make the nwo i would take the outsiders hogan conan six and bischoff and to so me that's would, the you would keep bischoff oh yeah absolutely you gotta have bischoff Okay. Okay. So I would take that. I agree with you on all of those, except instead of Conan, I would have Savage. I'm I'm going to reserve my thoughts on this to later. Do what? I said I'll reserve my thoughts on Savage to later. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So they come in. There's there's a lot of hoopla that comes with the NWA. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're going to interrupt every every broadcast at some point with something. I um, love it. Not knocking head, flipping headphones off of people, just destroying sets. It was great. I also I also another one who I feel like really deserves a lot of credit from the from you know, the earlier days is Buff Bagwell. Uh, and yeah, I I listened to Eric Bischoff in his podcast and said that. The character of Buff Bagwell was strictly there just to create heat. He was there for you to hate him, to be annoyed by him. He, he did a good job with that. Him and Scott Norton yeah. were a pretty good tag team. Yeah. Yes. And and I, I felt like he brought um, – I felt like he was one of the most charismatic members of the group. Um, and maybe even on in, in WCW as a whole uh, until Chris Jericho started talking on the mic. Um, because Chris Jericho, to, in my mind, is one of the most charismatic wrestlers of all time. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, uh, okay. So anyway, they come, they create their havoc. Now, here is where we so we we get to the point where they've done their thing. Um they've been running the sting story for a lot longer than it needed to run. Oh yeah. It, it, the sting story was fun and then it should have come to a natural conclusion, Uh um, in December of 97. Okay. uh, Which which I think was Starcade, And I think it was, it was right there at the end of that year. And they just, they just never, and which is, I'm going to get into it with this clip. We're going to talk about there were, there were too many times things were just kind of left Unfinished. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And I felt Sting and Hogan like always like there should have been some kind of conclusion there where you know 
Sting would beat him for the belt, but not really. Someone would defeat Hogan, but the next week he'd beat him back. And just like, I don't know. Too many, too many titles changing hands. And I did like the, I did like the NWA spray, spray painted on the uh, championship belt. I thought that was cool. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay. So here's the thing. To me, this was the flaw from the beginning. Okay. Is you have this new group of heels who is, or this new stable of heels. Let's use wrestling terms here. So this new stable of heels who are transforming what it means to be a heel. You know, they're not just coming out and, and, you know, ganging up on a, 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 a Randy Mulkey or, uh, you know, a, uh, boogie or a boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant when he's all alone in the ring. Um, they're not just, uh, accidentally quote unquote uh, pushing somebody onto a ref so they can win the match or holding the tights or using the rope for leverage. They're disrupting the flow of the, uh, of the show of the operations of WCW. Yes. Yes. They're not Uh, just your regular jabronis. Right. Right. And so this, this, I feel like other than, you know, a few random things throughout the course of wrestling history, there's a lot more going on uh, in the back hallways than there ever was prior to the NWF. You know, there, there's, there's people getting mugged as they get out of their limousine. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, people getting uh, hit over the head and stuffed in a closet when they were supposed to appear for a match or whatever. You know, they used they used uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. as a lawn dart and threw him through a truck. Yeah, uh, in Orlando. Gosh, yes, that was that looked brutal. But anyway, <laughs> the best anyway. part of that was the people lived in the neighborhoods nearby. We're watching it on TV, and we're calling the police because they thought the whole thing was real. Yeah, I did not know that. See, that's yeah. something. That's something your research unveiled. I'm imagining. Th- thank you to our good friends at the internet. Yes, yes. Once again, the internet comes through in spades. It so, really does. Um, so, so it almost felt like there was an organized crime element of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. So you have that. But here, this was this was the thing that I always felt like was the flaw, because right out of the shoot, when Hogan comes out there and he gives that interview at Bash at the Beach, and he says, "This man Hall, this man Nash," or actually, it might have been even Mean Gene that said that. How do you stand here with this man Hall and this man Nash? From that moment on, I'm sitting there thinking, so who's in charge here? Who's the leader? Now, logic would say, well, I mean, it's Hogan because he's Hogan. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's the champ. So that that, that puts him up on this. He's always been, I mean, say what you will about Hogan, but, you know, he does have some skill with the mic, you know. Um, You know, I mean, he's got so many iconic phrases, uh, that, you know, are part of the vernacular now, you know, what, what you going to do or, you know, say your prayers and take your vitamins mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, but this didn't originate with him. I mean, moments before he drops the leg on Savage, 
he is the iconic good guy for two decades. But that's why it works. It's because he, he the unexpected twist. Yes, it works. I, I, I agree with Bishop that, that anyone else, it doesn't work. It doesn't even work with Sting. I agree that the concept works, but I'm talking about leadership. And this is where this is where you and I are going to diverge at that snowy path in the woods. Is it was always going to come down to who's in charge? Is it Hogan or is it Nash? Because we all knew right. it wasn't going to be Hulk. Right. We all knew it was it wasn't going to be Hulk. He could barely hold it together at any given point. <laughs> you know, I mean. Even I mean I, I I you know you and I you and I listened to a a, a Bischoff uh, and uh, what's the other guy's name uh, Conrad Thompson Conrad Thompson podcast where Scott Hall was the guest guest talker uh, speak, uh, featured speaker and it was awesome I mean it was great to hear all that stuff um, but you you look at you look at the two of them and the two of them being Nash and Hogan. And it's always, there's always going to come a moment when something's got to give. Right, because Hogan's, Hogan has to be number one because he's Hulk Hogan. Hollywood right. Hogan. And Nash will always be number two because he's just, he's never been that level. Even though at, the, at this time he's got the bigger personality. He's got more charisma than, than Hollywood Hogan. It was definitely more fun when, that's what you wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. When the NWA came, when the music played, they came to the ring. I wanted to hear Kevin Nash. I didn't want to hear Hollywood Hogan. Right. Well, and honestly, if, if we're all being honest, we, we wanted to hear Scott Hall a little bit too. And there lies the problem, right? Yes. Is, is that you want to hear them, but not – it's because I, it's, it's hard to explain. It's kind of like the Ric Flair thing. Ric Flair managed to be a heel for so long, but you love you love Ric Flair more as a heel. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how he quite does that. Um, I don't know. So I, I, I think about this all the time. Why was he so? He people loved him, but he was always the heel. And the problem with the NWO is people came to love them, so they turned from heels to baby faces, which completely wrecks the whole concept of the NWO. Which is why they had to split into two factions. But I don't. I don't know that it does. And here's. Here's here's where I would where I would argue that it does it does ruin it if so all right let, we'll, we'll go ahead and get start setting up our clip here uh, okay. we're now we're now at about the, we're now at the thirty minute mark so if so so when we say when we say the baby faces we obviously are talking about the wolf pack the red and black right. Um, so the wolf pack works because they're not feuding with the horsemen. They're not feuding with, you know, the, the, the Legion of doom. They're not feuding with the rock and roll express. They're not feuding. They're feuding with Hogan and his crew. And that's it. Okay. All right. Now here's the problem. Mm -hmm. When you look at the, the people in that ring, for the NWO Wolfpack. Mm -hmm. It's everyone that were the top people in the NWO. And then you've got NWO black and white left with like Rodzilla, as Hogan would say. 
and the disciple, Brutus the Barber uh-huh. Beefcake, and uh-huh. Brian Adams. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't give a crap about them anymore. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care. Yeah. And now now then what's the point of, of the NWO red and black? Because then what are they doing? Why are they called the if the NWO is not there to take over the organization and now they're just a bunch of good guys, what is this whole thing? That that was confused me. Like, wait a minute, how are they how are they the how are they baby faces and they're part of the NWO? What what's the point of that? I think that at that point in time that everybody realized that this whole gig was had run its course. And I think this was an effort to salvage um, something from it. Uh, you know, the whole Rodman, Carl Malone. Um, don't, I, I am so, I was so, I don't want to see Kevin Green, Jay Leno, yes. Dennis Rodman. Yes. <clears throat> David Arquette. I don't want to see any of those people. It makes yes. no sense. It makes no sense for Dennis Rodman to join the NWO. It makes no Agreed. sense at all. Agreed. Agreed. About, about, uh, as, about as much sense as it makes for Hulk Hogan to join the Chicago Bulls at the time. Right. Um, you know. Now, if you want to bring Mr. T back in. Mr. T is welcome. Mr. T is welcome to come in and out of wrestling as long as he wants to. Yeah. He's the, he's the exception. He, Mr. Right. T, he's got a pass for life. Agreed. Agreed. As long as we're agreed on that. I mean, that's, that's extraordinarily important. Yeah, um, I know. Because I, I, I actually thought, it's funny, I thought about that. I'm like, but I thought, what about Mr. T? But Mr. T was a whole different thing. Yeah. Because M- Mr. T on his own could kick your butt. Um, and then he became, he became famous from the, you know, being Clever Lang and, and uh, from being on the A-team. And, and then his presence with Hulk Hogan makes wrestling what it is. Yes. You know, you, you don't have Hulk Hogan without Mr. T. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, that was a simpler time. And Dennis Rodman is not Mr. T. Jay no. Leno is not Mr. T. You're right. It was, it was a simpler time, but they were, they were just – the crossover has to happen. It, all, it has to almost feel natural. And it didn't – to me – Putting Rodman in, putting Jay Leno and Kevin Green—it's just none of it. Carl Malone. I'm gonna. I want to get in a fight. Somebody at Carl Malone. Yeah, yeah. It would have been better to have Rodman and like Bill Lambeer. Right, or, Rick Mahorn. Yeah. Or, 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 or better yet, if you're gonna have Rodman, how about Robert Parrish? How about the lead singer from Midnight Oil? Because he always looked like an imposing figure. The bald guy with the funny-looking ears. He really did. Yeah. But how big was he? I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. But, but I, I really think a, a Kevin McHale in the <laughs> ring with Rodman, that would have been awesome. Bob, uh, maybe Bob, Bobby Jones? <laughs> Kelly, so, Kelly uh, Tripuka? <laughs> Kelly Tripuka. Okay, we're digressing here. We were, um, we're about to get a Charlotte Hornet sister right here. Um, so, I, okay, all right. So, so the clip. So, so rightly or wrongly, there is now a red and black wolf pack. And so, and, and right away, I've got a, I've got a big problem with this. 
you've you've got already coming so in the ring coming down you've got of course uh kevin nash mm-hmm. and you've got conan uh which you know that makes perfect sense you can't you can't argue that that conan was going to probably go with nash no matter what nash did um nash could say you know what we're going to go be flight instructors and conan's probably with him for that um and then you have savage who yeah, I don't know. So, so this is where your research would be very helpful. I've always gotten the feeling that Savage never liked Hogan. Period. Yeah, they they had I I, I saw a, a thing in the they 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 had a big falling out somewhere in the um in the nineties and really weren't on talking terms. They had been close at one time, and um, Elizabeth and uh, his wife, what's his wife's name? I can't remember. Um, Linda, I yeah. guess, had been close. And there, there's some story about how. Elizabeth had come and was staying with like with Hulk Hogan while she was still with Randy, but she was actually going to Florida to see some guy. And then Randy came down and found out. Hulk's like, we didn't know she was here for that. Gotcha. But I, I, the macho man does not work in black and white. And this is where, this is where I have problems with all this. I mean, you're you're listing all these people, no problems up with you or what you think, but my problem is like, it's like kind of like we are the world. Can remember back to 1984 and the video for that, right? Yes, of course. Okay. You together as one collection. It, it's a good song and everyone's singing, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that with the NWO Wolfpack. You've got too many superstars in one ring saying nothing at one time. And that's my problem with it. Randy Macho Man Savage is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He doesn't say a word. Sting, Luger, who else is in there? I mean, this it's there's like eight people in there. Uh-huh. And, and you you're just wasting talent by having Kevin Nash getting up there and talking and and offering a t-shirt. And that was a problem with the Wolfpack. Was just like, you know, not to mention the fact that this I don't like the good NWO. That makes no sense to me. And I didn't not like it all. Sting's red and black face paint. Um, I just think it just it just wasted talent, and I didn't I didn't like that. And and you couldn't you can't have that many people speak at one time, and and if they're not, you're wasting talent. I did deal, the highlight of that one is like you know we're all in unanimous agreement. Well, almost everybody, and he turns and looks at Savage. That was funny. Yeah, that was a good scene. I I, I, I was I was I was glad you brought that up because I was hoping we would come to that. Um, because they had some epic, epic battles. He, DDP and and Savage. Macho, um, Macho Man's better than being relegated to the back as a silent guy, just kind of raising his hands. And it's Macho Man Randy Savage. You get Sting in that ring. Yeah, there's too many great wrestlers in that ring for one person to be talking. Okay. Okay. So. What what would have fixed it? The NWO should have never it should never have grown the way it did. I think that they should have just I like the idea of, of, of now and again like you know someone would turn and join it. 
but it just seemed like at some point everybody was in the NWO. I don't think it should have ever broken apart. I don't think it needed to do that. Um, may, maybe if the Outsiders became something different, because yeah, remember they formed. Remember they formed NWO two thousand at one point, and then they were silver and black. Yeah. And then in 2010, they come back as the band in, in TNA wrestling. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to fix that. I, I guess I always felt the NWO just, it, it grew it grew too big, and it lost the feel of this outside thing coming to take over. And what it became was a scheduled interruption every single night show that you watched. And the surprise is gone. Like you said, how Sting, like, Sting, Sting, like his whole his whole thing about him being silent and coming out of the rafters. It just went on too long because there was the part of at first you didn't expect it, and then you were happy to expect it, and then you just rolling your eyes when he's dropping down from the ceiling at some point. And by this point in this promo, you've got Hogan interrupting with Dennis Rodman. And they're turning the lights on and off as if turning the lights off and on is supposed to be scary. Mm-hmm. Like that's the most scary thing in the world you can do. Oh, I'm going to put on some pyrotechnics. Mm-hmm. How is, how is that scary? I just didn't, this whole thing I didn't, I didn't like this whole promo. And then and I'll watch, I'm going to stop here because I've got some stuff to say about the end of it too. <laughs> so what are you, what are your thoughts? I, I Okay, so first of all, I've, I've got to say, I, I want to say this, is that um, you think about watching like Challenge of the Super Friends or, um, you know. Uh, no, you don't just stick with that because you can't go more perfect than Challenge of the Super Friends. So stick okay. with that. Where are you going? All right, so. So you got the challenge of the super friends and, and one Lex of the Luther is Nash, by the way, one of, one of the things about the, and it's great that you just said that, but one of the things that's awesome about the super friends is that no matter what, and this is never true uh, in, in your modern uh, comic stories. Uh, you can't get this in the new justice league movie. You can't get this in the Avengers, but in the challenge of the super friends, the super friends, including Batman, are always working together. There is right. no, you know, there, there's no chance that anybody's going to say, well, Superman, I think that's a dumb idea. <laughs> Nobody's going to look at, at Aquaman and be like, why don't you just go back down with the fish? Nobody's even going to look at Apache chief or better yet at black Vulcan and say, what is it that you do again? Nobody's going to do that. They're all just going to constantly work together to defeat. He's like, hey, man, I, I can make lightning bolts with my hand. <laughs> but, but why my outfit is cut like a woman's swimsuit so that my legs are just totally showing all the way down? So, but the thing about the Legion of Doom, I mean, is that they're always running each other down. They're always trying to make each other look ridiculous. Let, let me draw some comparisons. So Lex Luger is Nash. Uh-huh. Grodd, that would be Hall. No. 
Solomon Grundy would be home. Oh, interesting. Yes. I would put Hogan as the Riddler. And I would put Six as Toy Man. Oh, that's good. That's good. And see, I've got like Buff Bagwell's like Sinestro. <laughs> and Scott Norton is Black Manna because he like barely <laughs> ever talked. <laughs> so, okay. So here's this, here's sca- the thing. this Scarecrow. Scarecrow's Macho Man, right? Not saying too much, but always. Yes. Yes. But always kind of a little bit the scariest one of the bunch. Right. And has a really strange voice, too. Yes. Yes. So. All right, so you've got all these guys, and, you know, Luther especially is always calling them idiots, you know. Uh, you know, they can never do anything right. They're, you know, all this. So you got all these bad guys with these agendas, and ultimately that just can't stand. Right. Because they can't, the egos can't take it. And that ultimately was always going to be, and from day one, Hall and Nash come in, they disrupt everything. They've clearly got a plan. Mm-hmm. But now Hogan's in the mix. And if Hogan is in the mix, Hogan has to be the leader. Right. He has to. Not only does he have to for the story to even make sense, but he has to because he's Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan isn't going to settle for anything less. Okay. So you've got that going on. There's got to be a moment when everything collapses now did they do it the best way possible by creating the wolf pack no probably not but i also think at that point there were there were no outsiders you know scott hall was struggling with whatever demons he always struggled with and so that left nash as a sort of pseudo I always feel like I do better to call him the big show because if I say the giant, I don't know. There's too many reminiscence of Andre. Yes. Uh, so, so he's just a slightly smaller version of the big show, uh, but with a lot more character. You know, Nash is one of my is 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 one of my two favorites, um, and the other one is the Macho Man. I always like how Nash just because he's seven feet tall, he just steps over the top rope. Yes, I always love that too. Um, and and that he was seven feet tall and he could put that in somebody's face. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and it didn't hurt the uh, the uh, j- the the jackknife power bomb was a fantastic move. That look, that always every time I see it, that looks like that hurts. Yes, but why is it? Why is it everyone? I see about this thing because I was watching. Uh, WCW Mayhem 1999, which, by the way, is one of the worst pay-per-views ever. Uh-huh. Why, why would you just constantly try to put your opponent in a sleeper hold? It's one of the easier moves to get on somebody, right? Yeah. And it puts somebody else fast. Why not just go for that right away? That's a good point. I would go for, like, the first 30 seconds, go for the sleeper hold. Well, I mean, why not just knock them down and do the big leg drop? I mean... <laughs> You know, talk about your worst finishing moves ever. Yeah, that really is bad. I, I think the I don't like the Eddie Guerrero frog splash. I always thought was really weak. Yeah, I thought that was Be- weak too. Because he flexes in midair that somehow yeah. makes it a more. Yes, 
butt. Or a uh, flying headbutt. Uh, which wouldn't that hurt just the you as much as the other person? I would think so. I would think so. Um, plus, or anything that Matt and Jeff Hardy did at any point in time. Right. Um, you know, I always felt like you just hurt yourself way more than you hurt the opponent. Right. And that was on a move you pulled off. <laughs> uh, so, okay. But anyway, so it had to end in some way. And without Hall being there, I don't know that it could have gone any other direction. Nobody was going to buy. I mean, all and 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 here's the other thing that they did that kind of painted them into a corner, Stephen, is that they made it all about so the baby faces at the time of the rise of the NWO, your Sting, your Luger. Your DDP, eh, maybe not DDP as much, but your Sting, your Luger, even your Giant early on. They were all enthralled with destroying Hogan. By the way, it took us this, mostly this clip is about DDP, right? It took us 45, 49 minutes before we mentioned this. <laughs> so it's mostly about no well i don't know that it necessarily was i think it was more just about the nwo and the nwo wolfpack and uh ddp is is a fitting conclusion i think to this but so it was always about destroying hogan so when you had to rally when nash and hogan split which they had to do you had to call to him. You had to bring to Nash under his banner, with the exception of Conan, all the people that hated Hogan. That was the rallying cry. Because okay, it was then, always about that. I totally get that. But then why six months later do you have the finger poke of doom between Hogan and Nash reuniting the NWO into one? I guess, I guess because they, and, and I mean, you, now, now you're going way far ahead. See, that's not. I, well, that's I, I can't, I, I can't look, I cannot look at this, this whole picture because it just, it plays out so poorly. And that's the story of WCW. They had, you know, the NWO is the greatest storyline in the history of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, and they do great introducing it. And they just get to a certain point. And they just keep making poor and poorer choices on where they're taking this thing. Well, and then. I don't even know what happened with that whole Goldberg and the streak thing. So, yeah, that's remember when Nash beats him in, like, I think it's uh, December of 98. Uh-huh. He, beats, he beats Nash. Uh, sorry, Nash beats Goldberg. And then, like, a week later is the finger poke of doom where, you know what I'm talking about, what I'm referencing yep. there? Yep, yep. Where, where, you know, Hulk Hogan pokes me, falls down, and they transfer the title, and the NWO is back together as the black and white. Right. Um and like, and, and that cheapens the ending of the streak of Goldberg too. Yeah, which uh, Goldberg is another thing they wrecked. Like, he was the hottest thing ever, and they they just could not seem to. Once he beat Hogan, that seemed like that was it. Like that was the biggest moment. And like, there's nothing else he's done that I remember or even. I I don't get excited about Goldberg anymore. Well, I didn't. I, um, I was I was never. I was not a Goldberg fan. I never was excited about it. For um, me, he honestly, if he had not gone to had a University of Georgia connection, I probably would have cared yeah. less. But that for for you know WCW being an Atlanta based thing 
and then having that connection, it was just all really cool. Um, See, I felt like Goldberg was Goldberg was WCW's answer to the popularity of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I was I was always like, guys, you got the NWF. You don't need this. You know, if you want to have another guy, that's great, but let's not do this streak thing. Where, which inevitably, once you start talking about a streak, inevitably, what does that mean? He's going to do what? Right. He, he was obviously he was very much in a rip up of the Ultimate Warrior, of someone coming out of nowhere, running into the ring, shaking the ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, just remind, very much reminded me of that, and even to the point of like the way Goldberg's career went, where he's just kind of in and out, in and out, in and out, same as the Ultimate Warrior, in and out, in and out, in and out. But all right, let's go back. So this, here's my big problem here with this. Um, despite the fact that DDP's music is clearly ripoff of Nirvana, smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, um, right. That, and and that's, it's, it's even that's acknowledged. Everybody's biggest problem. That, and there was a lawsuit there. Uh, I did verify that um, that they had to change that music. And if you if you go back and listen, Jericho had some music that sounded a lot like Pearl Jam. Um, but here's my thing about this. Besides the Hogan Rodman thing being silly, besides you get too many people in the ring for for Wolfpack NWO, is it did build up for a long time, going back to '97, them recruiting and wanting Diamond Dallas Page to be in the NWO. Yes. Okay, so he does a great job selling selling the point where he's like, "I'm not going to believe I'm going to do this," and holding onto his shirt. Then Hogan comes out, Rodman they attack him with a chair, right? Yes. Tell me this. After that nitro, when was when was this referenced again? Never. Never. And that makes no sense. Right. Why why wouldn't why wouldn't you then like create I, I don't even remember them them taking the storyline anywhere. It just died right there. Yeah. And I, I didn't understand that. Like I because I remember tuning in next week, oh Okay, this is the week Paige is going to join the Wolfpack, or this is the week he's going to start feuding with, you know, Hogan or Rodman or what. It just it didn't go anywhere. I just I, I don't know why after that well, that wouldn't have strengthened his position to join the Wolfpack, right? And so, so all right, so for all our listeners out there, this is this is the conclusion that I was hoping that Steve would come to as we were having this conversation tonight, this was not prepared in any way. Yes, I always never understood, and I know that I just said always never, I always never understood why it was that that was the end of this conversation. Yeah, it, I, re- I remember being, and for me, that was one of the be- the beginning of the end for me, because like there's no payoff. Why, mm-hmm. why am I watching if you're going to do this? Mm-hmm. And that made me question the whole legitimacy of the whole Wolfpack. I'm like, well, what's what's going on? Yes. My other question, and I wasn't sure if you noticed this either. Why did it take them? Why did why were Hogan and Rodman able to beat on him that much before the guys got out of the ring and were able to come up with a right. help? Right. Yeah, I never. I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, seriously, they they are, you know, what. 50 feet away? What do you, I mean, right. maybe, you know, and a couple of those guys are still pretty agile. You know, Sting gets around pretty good. You know, I know uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett was on crutches, but, you know, not Jeff Jarrett. Uh, uh, always mix those two up. Kurt Hennig um, was on crutches, but still, 
you know, I mean, Conan's a pretty fast guy. Uh, what, what, what took so long? Um, yeah. That, that always bothered me because, because they never, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering what the crowd's thinking as that happens because the crowd would have been able to see everything. You know, one of my, one of my favorite parts of there is when just the crowd pops when, uh, I don't remember if it's DDP or someone said maybe DDP says Hollywood scum Hogan. Yeah. And the crowd cheers as if it's the worst insult they've ever heard. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Yeah. It was DDP. He always called him Hollywood scum Hogan. <laughs> um, yeah, Diamond so, Cutter, by the way, great, great finishing move. Loved it. It was so dramatic. Yes. Which, you know, it was the Stone Cold Stunner. Um, you know, just throwing that out there. Or it's, also, a DD, it's just DDT, right? Isn't that what it is? Or yeah, I mean that's basically what it is. Or or, or was, was it a DT, DDT or was it no? It wasn't a bulldog. Yeah, it was a DDT. Um, but uh, I always, always, always enjoyed. Uh, I always felt like DDP had good moves in the ring. Um, yeah, he, I, he, I, he, he kind of combined brawling with finesse. And this this is the moment too, where like you know this is like his almost like, and I know he became a world champion I think after this, but this was like a moment like a big moment where like you know okay like he he then goes into the NW Wolfpack and you know where does this story take us next? Yeah, and that's what I always wanted to know because I really do feel like that after this episode, and and I, I you know at this point you know my memory my memory starts to to fade is that this is about the moment when I started shifting over to w, w, uh, WWE more. Um, Cause that's when, you know, uh, you know, Jerry uh, uh, Stone Cold was, uh, was feuding with, with DX and uh, um, there was just, it, there, there were better storylines going on in the WWE. It was uh, in popularity. That's when, when you had the the road dog Jesse James, yeah. Well, then and, you started to notice, like you know, as as we leave ninety eight and get into ninety nine, you start to notice, like you know, at the height of Nitro, they're doing Nitro. In, I think it was in August of ninety eight when Goldberg wins the title. It's at the Georgia Dome. They've got like seventy thousand people in there yeah. for Nitro. Yeah. And by by the time things are ending, like you know, there it looks like they're at you know the. The Dorman High School Arena in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. and 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 they're at you know, twenty five percent capacity of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I'd like to also apologize to the greater Dorman community at large that I'm sure they have fine athletic facilities for the Cavaliers. Oh yes. Okay. So. So what did your – you did you said you did research. Did you uh-huh. find anything out about why they took that nowhere? I think, you know, when I listen to – I listen to the podcast with, with Bischoff and stuff like that. Like, I don't – I think that's one of the things that is kind of the mystery. Like, why did they make such a, a, a series of bad decisions? And I think was they focused so much on the production of Nitro that they just kind of let the story fall apart. Like they were more into their their production and pyrotechnics, and like you know, hey, we're gonna bring in this person, this person, this person, then do nothing with them. Like the whole Bret Hart thing, yes, I mean, he, he did nothing, nothing. Um, 
Dusty Rhodes was in the NWO at one point. Yes. Which, that truly makes no sense. Absolutely makes no sense. Dusty Rhodes, I would been, it would have been more believable for Dusty Rhodes to have been a horseman than right. to have been. <laughs> which, and which, and if, and our, our long-term, our older listeners will definitely understand how absurd that would be. Yes. Yes. For Dusty Rhodes to be a horseman would have been absolutely absurd. So it certainly makes no sense that he's in the NWO. And what, so he can fight Larry Zabisco? What, what nonsense is that? <laughs> um, and then and basically, and then like as things go on, as you know, as the NWO reforms as the black and white, it actually got weaker. And then we just kept seeing the B team more and more and more over that yeah. next year. Uh, you know, a lot of bright items. Uh, yes. Disco Inferno is in the NWO at one point briefly. How could Disco sink so low? <laughs> yeah, really? I, I it, it, and 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 I really do believe. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I might have some some sparse bits and pieces of memories after that. Uh, like I vaguely remember the very last Nitro, um, the one where they kind of did the simulcast with Raw yeah. from Club um, La Vila in Panama City Beach. Um. I remember a few things vaguely from that, but you know, that, that maybe the week after when, as you said, you know, they offer DDP the membership and then they never bring it up again. Um, it was kind of like, yeah, this is a waste of time now. I, I don't really if, even know. If, if, you, if you listen here's, to here's the thing, go ahead. Here's, here, here's the thing. So, you're right. The, the the black and white. Once you take out Nash and Savage and even Conan to a, a certain extent, and and you put them in another group, and you add to that group Sting and Lex Luger and potentially Diamond Dallas Page. Mm-hmm. You know, that is an excellent group. If you turn them all heel again, right. And you make them disruptive and let Hogan go back to being, you know, the, the, the baby face, you know, let him, yes. you know, cause, cause here's Bret Hart all of a sudden, Bret Hart could be a baby face. He did, he did a lot of years as a baby face. Um, you know, you've got Bret Hart there now. You've got what, what a great story it would be if suddenly Nash is now the heel and Scott Hall is somehow, he's a baby face. And they're feuding each other, and they have an epic series of matches, a la Magnum TA Nikita Koloff. You know, right? Um, uh, and there's there's a difference between pissing off your fans and drawing heat from your fans, yeah, because they're interested in the storyline. So right. go go back to your question, like some of the things that went wrong when I listened to podcasts like Eighty Three Weeks with Eric Bischoff, or what happened when um, Tony Schiavone, like the as in the late nineties, as as WCW was part of Turner, right? Mm-hmm. And remember during that time, AOL like buys Time Warner or there's a merger of some kind. Ted Turner loses a lot of his power. Yes. Bischoff had his ear. Bischoff had been wanting to take things one way. While the people at Time Warner are now saying, who aren't wrestling people or wrestling fans, we want you to make a more family-friendly product. Well, the NWO is not a family-friendly product. Uh. 
And and so I think that's part of it too, how it all starts to fall apart. And then there's this, you know, just in the story of things, how we get to the point where, you know, just a few years after, you know, it's called 83 Weeks, that podcast, because that's how long Nitro dominated in the ratings. Okay. And you get to that, you get to that point because, you know, Bischoff at one point says he offers Time Warner. I can't remember the number. It's something like, it's like maybe it's like 54 or $60 million. He puts together this bid. Maybe it's in the 40 millions. I don't remember exactly. He puts in together this really big bid to buy WCW. And they say no and they fire him. Like it's, it's not even a couple months later, they sell WCW to Vince McMahon for like $4 million. Which is crazy. Yes. I feel, I, like think it's, I, I feel like you and I could come up with that kind of money. Exactly. In two weeks, we have the money, Scott. No problem. Yes. And then we take over control of Lilford's. Well, I don't know that we have that kind of money. I, you know, I think we do this. I think we, we make up some like LW, Lilford World Order shirts. Mm-hmm. And we, we just start like going to like chain restaurants like Applebee's. And like Texas Roadhouse, and we just start taking over and rebranding them as Lilford's. Do we turn over tables in the process? Oh, yeah. I see us like going to Texas Roadhouse and just throwing rolls out the window. Yes. This is going to be an epic event. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to be a part of this. <laughs> um, so, okay. Although there was, a Latin, there was like a Latino world order, wasn't there? The LWO, it was like a, a red, white, and green. Yes, with uh, uh, like Seco Pay and uh, uh, some, some of those guys uh, uh, were Vampiro Laparca. Uh... Laparca, that's the one I got always. I never could forget because he wore the skeleton suit, right? Yeah, yeah. DDP dressed up as him one time and beat up Savage. That's right, Laparca, <laughs> and he would dance. He had like a shuffle. Oh, there's. I think psychosis was one too. Yes, psychosis was one. Yeah, there there were a lot of really good luchadors. Um, Yeah, and and I I don't think Ultimo Dragon fell into that category, but he had some pretty cool moves too. um, Now I feel like Eddie Guerrero was in the LWO for for a brief period too. He may have been. They they swear those guys listen to podcasts. They all swear by Eddie Guerrero being wonderful and I just was never an Eddie Guerrero fan. Yeah. Uh just I don't know, I didn't think it was very exciting, but they, they say like if if you really know wrestling, uh apparently I don't uh I I don't I don't know, I don't see it. I also was trying yeah I was thinking the analogy like you you couldn't break up the Legion of Doom into like the the purple and green led by Lex Luthor and have like the blue and light white led by Captain Cold. Uh that would have been absurd. I was really bothered. You know what I was about? Aquaman, apparently, sometimes, like, if you watch the, the Super Friends is the greatest cartoon ever, especially the challenge of the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. But why did, intermittently, Aquaman and Wonder Woman have the ability to fly? <laughs> I don't know. But, but more importantly, um, were Aquaman and Superman twin brothers? Just one with blonde hair and one with dark? Scott, I think you're being ridiculous now. And when did you remember? In before they got to that season, the original Super Friends with like Wendy and Marvin. Every time Superman would fly, he'd say "up, up and away." Yes. 
Yes. So does this mean we've reached the end of our talking points? I think it has. Okay. So are, are we at our uh, – all right. So, so just to – where we've landed is the real question is why did they not finish that story? Yes. I would love to know why that that just went nowhere. Okay. So we're putting that out there to our fans. Please feel free to make comments in the comment box. Yes, um, please. Let us know how you feel. Yes. Um, tonight's uh, tonight's uh, question, tonight's Mike Schmidt question is uh, brought oh. to you by uh, Shots Brewery um, and, uh, and our good friends at um, Quaker Steak and Lou. Um, <laughs> I don't understand so, at all what that is because we have one of those by us here. I don't understand what that place is. It's a restaurant. Can you get your oil changed there? No. No, don't okay. be ridiculous, Steve. <laughs> so, was there ever a season during his professional career where Mike Schmidt didn't have a mustache? Okay, now I'm trying to trying to think if he had a mustache in the season that he retired. Or did I have a baseball card where he didn't have one? I, I'm going to say yes, but I don't know the year. If I had to guess, I would guess 86. But Do you actually have an answer to this? I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you'd prepared this one. No, this one, this one came at the, uh, this one, this one came at the end. So what we'll have to do is, uh, I, I see, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is a year, 1972, it appears Mike Schmidt did not have a mustache. Okay. I know it was either towards the beginning or at the very end. I couldn't. His rookie year was what year? Uh, I, I don't know. 72 sounds right, but. Okay. Yeah, I think that was it. There is there is uh, Mike Schmidt without a mustache. He he did he did a lot of justice by himself in having that mustache. Um, some people were just born to wear the stash. It's true. So okay, well, so do we give do we give our listeners a preview of our our next conversation? Yeah, yeah. Tell us. You said you had an idea, so I'd love to hear it. Okay, so uh, next next uh, next next podcast will be breaking down the epic uh, battle of wits scene between the uh, Sicilian kidnapper and the man in black from the Princess Bride. Excellent. Folks, this is going to be a deep dive into one of the most pivotal conversations in history. Is that fair enough? I mean, is that, I mean, I know, I know, I know our friends at Lilford's will be pleased about that. Yes, they will. So, anyway, they they right. provided they once again they provided us both with some dinner rolls to enjoy during this podcast. And we thank you for that, which we will be throwing at Texas Roadhouse employees later. Yes. Our our, our Lilford's <laughs> World Order T-shirts should be in 
and, and you can go ahead come, and place your – That's just coming in just <laughs> throwing rolls, hanging up white lattice on the side so they can look like loafers. <sighs> this is going to be good. This is going to be good. All right, my friend. Well, All right, hey, hey, shout out because I'm going to make her listen to the whole thing for this. Our fellow Blizzard Eagle, Lauren, that I work with at school, uh, she was listening to our podcast the other day as we worked. So Nice. Well, Lauren, you just you hang in there. It just it's just gonna keep getting better like fine wine. <laughs> All right. Fine, well, like a school year at Winthrop, it just keeps getting better throughout the entire year. There you go. There and then go. by Only... and it concludes with the driving and crying concert at the end. Yes. Yes. Vintage nineteen ninety one. I just uh, I cannot figure out why in the world we how how did we not go to on the heels of, of that concert? Either right before it, in in maybe a week before or after, was was Sting versus Rick Rude for the for the NWA World Championship at the Rock Hill Coliseum. Why did we not go? Or did you go? And I, I just how did we miss that? Well, first of all, let me let me clarify something. It's not the Rock Hill Coliseum. It's the, the Winthrop Coliseum. Coliseum. So I'm I I, I that's an yeah. egregious error. Yes, um, you know we're we're allowed to have those. You know this is live. Um, so, uh, but, uh, second of all, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't go. No, I did. I was, I didn't start working there until, uh, the year after, uh, after you were gone. So, um, now I saw a great number of matches. Um, I, including, I was at the Winthrop Coliseum to hear Nikita Koloff drop his Russian accent and finally admit that he's really from Minnesota. It was it was a banner day. That'd be an exciting moment. It was. It was. We all felt a little bit closer. There was there was, <laughs> there, was, there was a feeling of Americana in that building that night. I regretted when I was at Clemson until Blanchard came to speak, and I should have gone. I don't know why I didn't. I don't either. I I feel like... I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed I said that out loud. I'm going to edit that part out. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're signing off, and uh, stay tuned, fans. We'll and that's be, what uh, we're screaming. <laughs> we'll be delving into the intricacies of the Battle of Wits next time on the Nexus of Pop Culture and Cherry Road. Woo! <laughs> Have a good night, Scott. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.